Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We are passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We would love to chat with you online or on social media. Visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery. And I'm Jody Bailey. And we have both felt God ask us to step out into new areas in significantly important areas that we felt utterly ill-equipped for. Many times areas that involve others because, well, that's how God works. If we've trusted in Christ for salvation, we've received the Holy Spirit living inside us to give us the desire and the power to do his will, to find our place in his redemptive mission, not by relying on ourselves, but instead by living fully surrendered to and empowered by Yahweh, the great I am. And you know, I am, that is my favorite name of God. And I so jumped at the chance (laughs) to talk about this one because it just encompasses everything about him. He, he demands worship because he is, he exists. He can do anything, be anything for us. And I really think that when we say he is Yahweh, he is, I am, it, it just, he's everything. He is the one who was, who is, and who forever will be. And speaking of when he first revealed himself by this name, there was an 18th century theologian named Joseph Benson. And he said that God would now be known by his name, Jehovah, another pronunciation or spelling of Yahweh, a God performing what he had promised. And so giving being to his promise, a God perfecting what he had begun and finishing his own work. And that is precisely what God does when he calls us to something. That's what we need to remember and focus on that. He finishes the work he begins, which means we don't have to be strong or brilliant or have everything figured out. We simply need to learn to follow and to rely on the great I am that lives within us. Years ago, when our family was first called into foster care, I felt super overwhelmed. And we were asked to open our home to a teenager from a rough environment. And I was really worried because I have a lot of my own fear-based triggers and fear-based reactions. And plus I have OCD, I have germophobia to be exact. And that can be challenging for others to live with, especially if you've come from a background where you haven't really learned basic hygiene. So it's a completely already a new environment. And then you have this extra layer of complete newness. And I was afraid that with all of my own weaknesses and and my own triggers and my own faults and my own sin, that I was going to cause this child more pain. And it, it sounds like all those lies we can kind of start to believe were really kind of rising up in you at that time. And, and you maybe needed a voice of truth to come into your life. Well, you know, my daughter during that time, she said to me, mom, your love will be stronger. And actually it wasn't my love that I needed to rely on because my love by itself actually is not strong enough, but God's love in me is strong enough. And, and she reminded me that his love would overpower my weakness and my sinful tendencies. I believe even more than that though, his purposes will prevail despite my mistakes. And so this kid, he, it was tough. He had oppositional defiant disorder. He did not like women. And I did most of the parenting because my husband at the time, he worked a lot and he was gone a lot, sometimes two weeks out of the month. And this, this kid was bigger and stronger than me. And really it was hard. And plus at the time I was going to school, I had writing deadlines. I was booked to deliver a keynote and teach three workshops at a writer's conference in Atlanta. And I had less than a month to prepare. So I felt 
so overwhelmed by absolutely everything. And I thought about backing out, but I really couldn't. The conference director, she'd already printed and distributed brochures. She'd already paid for my plane ticket. And, and I was like, God, you brought me all these things because I believed I was in his will when I accepted all of these things. And I said, so I'm going to trust you to give me what I need to do everything you've asked. And he did. And the conference went well. I graduated. I actually passed those classes. <laughs> I got my papers in. And I, and I did my best to show the love and the grace of Christ to this kid. We don't know, honestly, where this kid is now. And sometimes I think that's the point is we don't always know the impact that our actions will have on others. We don't always get to see the end result, but I'm trusting that the God who finishes his work, who helped me finish my classes, who helped me get to that conference will also finish whatever work he began when he brought that hurting child into my home. And, you know, we have to be content sometimes with not knowing. And we have to be ready to obey, even though we may not have all the answers. And so Moses was just a regular guy, kind of like y'all were a regular family and you were called to do something big. And Moses was called to free a people. And if you can imagine being called to, you know, you don't have an army, you're not a great leader and you're going to free all of Egypt or all of Israel from Egypt. That's a big call. And so if you look at Exodus 3, um, 1 through 14, we see Moses's call and we see you know, his, his, his hesitation as well, because he was basically, he was a shepherd. He was on the run actually from Egypt because he had killed an Egyptian and he was tending the flocks of his father-in-law. He's up in the mountains and he sees this bush and it's burning and it's not being consumed. And so of course he's thinking, this is kind of weird. I got to go check this out. So he goes over and God literally speaks his name from within the book, from within the bush. And he says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. God says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. I mean, he's face to face with God. And in verse seven, um, God starts out telling him, I have seen, you know, my people suffering in Egypt and I'm going to bring them out into this spacious place, into Canaan where there's milk and honey and they're going to be free. Um, so I want you to go. In verse 10, it says, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And I can only imagine what Moses was thinking at this point. And in verse 11, he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God says, here's the important part. God says, I will be with you. He said, he tells Moses, it's not you, you, you know, you're going, but it's not your power. It's mine. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who goes have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And so in verse 13, Moses says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And in verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. interesting and very encouraging about this entire scenario. So in Moses, we see not only the amazing power of Yahweh, the self-revealing God who redeems, but we also see the ugliness that can occur when we try to step out in our own wisdom 
and our own strength. And so you had kind of referenced it a little, Jody, when you were setting up the passage, but Moses, he had, he had kind of created a pretty big oops. And so based on what I read in scripture, he always had a heart for his people. He was deeply grieved by their oppression. And and that passion, apart from God, it led him to murder an Egyptian. But then later, so then he fled to Midian and for, I think, something like 40 years. But later, that same power directed by God led to the liberation of thousands of men, women, and children. And I think that's important, that difference between we can have all the passion in the world and step out, but it's really God who redeems through us. It's God who does the work through us. And one of the things we see Moses do when he finally goes to Pharaoh is he's constantly listening to God. He's constantly being led by God. And we really need to get in tune with God and be listening and be led by him so that we can be obedient. And sometimes I think we get this idea that we have to go into a closet and shut the door for an hour every morning, the minute we get up in order to hear from God. But sometimes like you were talking about all the things that were going on in your life when, when you had this foster child in your house and you probably didn't have an hour every morning to go in. And so sometimes if we'll just be still for even two minutes, as long as it's with him, when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're feeling ourselves slide into our own strength and out of his, just taking that moment to center ourselves in him, it doesn't have to be an hour. You know, I I saw how powerful that was when this child was in our home, because like I said, I felt just like I had so many things to do and like I was constantly rushing and sometimes even like I didn't have time to sleep. I mean, this was a really, really challenging period. And so in my own strength, I'm thinking like, I just need to push through, get this done, move on to the next thing, deal with this behavior pattern, move on to the next thing. And I would sense God just calling me to come into my office and and spend time with him. And there were times when I would do that and I would shut the door and the child would literally be yelling at me from the door. And and I would just like, I need a minute. I need a minute. I need a minute. And I would just close my eyes and just sit in God's presence. And I would receive such peace, just literally such peace. And then, but then something more happened too, is he would begin to, God would begin to shift my perspective. Whereas I'd come into my office pretty angry and thinking, you know, this kid is not grateful and he's doing this and he's doing that. And, and I'm trying to do all these things. And then God would remind me, help me to recognize his pain. So God would give me a a deeper vision of the situation, which then gave me greater wisdom in how to deal with it. And every time God would call me to love and to be gracious and to be patient. And by following, because you you mentioned that Moses was constantly checking in with God. When I would do that, when I would take the time to really sit in God's presence and, and get his perspective on the situation, everything went so much better. When I tried to push through and and do it in my own strength and my own wisdom, I normally created quite a mess, just like Moses did when he first tried, you know, he first overpowered the Egyptian and ended up as a fugitive for 40 years. And, you know, you kept saying presence. You used the word presence quite a bit there. And John Piper said that every time we hear the word Yahweh or every time we see the word Lord in the English Bible, This is reminding us each time that God absolutely is present and he's not just present with us, but he's also our defender. And, you know, he is our ever present God in crisis. And I believe it's in Genesis 15, three, that Moses looking back, uh, Moses and Miriam, his sister looking back, they refer to God as Yahweh as a man of war um, because he is our defender. And I wonder if we stop to think, you know, in order to defend us and to be present with us, he has to draw near to us. So do we think enough about the fact that God draws near? 
like the, the, the creator of the universe, this awesome, holy God, do we sit long enough with that to think about what it means that he wants to be near us? That's so beautiful. And you know, we, that's, that's who Jesus is, right? That's everything we see in Christ through Christ. God came near to us because we couldn't get to him. And then by grace, God invites us to come near to him, to live in this intimate relationship with him, where we live empowered by him. You know, Yahweh is the sacred personal name of Israel's God. And and I love that, that he is sacred. He is personal and sacred things are set apart and personal things are near. So it's that thing about God that makes him so holy and set apart. And yet at the same time, he's so close to us. He draws so near to us. And if we could really grasp how much he wants to be close to us, I think we'd begin to grasp how much he loves us. Um, And this name also, it's closely linked. Whenever you see this name, Yahweh, it's linked to his redeeming acts throughout the history of of his people. So it's also linked to him being our redeemer. You know, you were talking about Jesus and Jesus is our redeemer. And so it's linked to that action, that nearness that he comes near to us to save us and redeem us. Absolutely. Well, as we have been wanting to do with this whole series, we want to help you to pray God's name and to really, as you are praying that name for him, that you're thinking about his character revealed in his name and how it relates to your particular struggle and to your particular fear. So wherever you're at right now, we just invite you to quiet yourself, to clear your thoughts, to recognize that you are in God's presence. We don't have to actually ask him to come near because he already is near. And so just recognizing God, you are here. Yahweh, the self-revealing one, you are here. You reveal yourself to us a thousand times in a thousand different ways. You draw near always when, whether we feel you or not, when we need you, you're there. You rejoice over us. Like, like Jody had said in the previous episode with singing, you redeem us so that we can then play a part of your redeeming mission. Thank you that we don't have to have everything figured out. You are enough. You are ever present. You are the God who is, who was, and who always be. And you will be enough for every situation that we encounter and every role that you assign to us. Help us to live in that truth. In the name of your victorious son, we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. We hope that today's episode encouraged you to take that step to really play a part in God's redemptive mission. If you haven't already done so, we would encourage you to subscribe and then you won't miss a single episode and make sure to share it with your friends. We would love it if you would rate it and that helps others to find it as well. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. 
For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.